1: Welcome to the Dacus Report. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Brad Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. On today's show, uh, we're going to talk about a major lawsuit filed on behalf of firefighters and how their rights are being violated. We're also going to talk uh, with regards to you know, matters that uh, are really testing and pushing the envelope, if you will, uh, with regards to these uh, very controversial issues uh, we're going to be blessed to talk to one of our attorneys out of our, one of our offices there in Washington State later in the program. Uh, but first, I'd like to talk to uh, the attorney who heads up our office in Nevada, Emily Mimna. Emily, welcome to the program.
2: Hi. Good to see you, Brad.
1: Oh, it's good to see you, too. You're always so busy with so many things and uh, you know, cases and uh, supporting uh, you know, information to other attorneys on, on, regarding cases. and. I uh, just have so much appreciation for you and all you're doing at PJI. Uh, you're also not just involved in with cases, though. Uh, you're also involved uh, with regards to legislation in a very topsy turvy state, a, a state of Nevada, which uh, can go either way. I call it a, sort of a purple state. Sometimes a little more blue than, than purple, but you know, hopefully, yeah, it'll it'll switch. But uh, there, right now, I understand pending in the Nevada legislature is a resolution to expand abortion, quote, rights and enshrine those rights into the state constitution of Nevada?
2: That that, that is correct. This resolution, which is uh, SJR7, is looking to enshrine a right to abortion, among other rights, um, reproductive freedom rights is what what they're calling it. at a constitutional level, and and what it really seeks to do is give constitutional protection to the right to have an abortion, effectively at any point during a pregnancy, nine months, potentially beyond that, depending on how you interpret the the language, and also to reduce the accountability of abortionists. So it's not about protecting children, and it's not about protecting women. It's about giving constitutional level immunity from prosecution that is in this that is in this resolution to abortionists to per, to perform abortions up to the moment of birth and and interestingly Brad I really like that you pointed out Nevada is a, a purple state because we do have a, a Christian Republican governor but we have a I would say non Christian Democrat controlled legislature and so we are seeing this piece of this resolution being pushed through in an attempt to fundamentally change our state constitution.
1: So, so this would basically say that uh, you can abort a child all the way up to the day, the moment it's about to be born for basically any reason. I mean, is that, is that an oversimplification or is there more to it than this?
2: No, it's not. And I, I like the way you say that. Is that an oversimplification? And I think a great question to ask somebody if they are supporting these types of uh, either state laws or, in our case, state constitutional amendments, ask them, just just ask them, where, when, in what circumstance is an abortion not allowed? Because in every scenario, you will, will find some stammering, some ums, some ahs, but they cannot give you a situation in which an abortion would not be allowed. And that is, I would say, genuinely concerning, both for the health and safety of children, of course, but also for women who who should be protected. And I, I would also point out the word "woman" does not appear once in this resolution.
1: Not once. Well, they don't know what a woman is. Is that? The, oh, is this that? This is that deal where we don't, they don't know what a woman is. Uh, it's some. Uh, yeah. I, I get it. It. Uh, it's it's crazy. Upon uh, crazy plus evil equals this legislation, as far as I'm concerned. So. The uh, SJR7, which is what we're talking about here, uh, it's a resolution, not a legislative bill. So, what's the difference?
2: Uh, that, that's also actually a really good point. So, normally, when you're talking about a resolution, for example, in the U.S. Congress, you know, a resolution is really a declaration of sentiments. It's not talking about a statute or a law. Not so in the case of Nevada, and that's where there's a little bit of trickery. Uh, in my opinion, and, and again, it's important that you point out this is a purple state. The way a resolution works is because it's not a bill, it's not a law, it can't be vetoed by the governor. And so they are starting a constitutional amendment process by passing this resolution through the state legislature, and the, government ha- the governor has no say over it.
1: So if it, if it goes to the state legislature and they adopt this, doesn't it doesn't have to be approved by, by the people of, of Nevada?
2: It does. It does, and that's where I think what we're talking about right now, and, and part of the advocacy we're seeing from PJI's sister cor- or sister group, um, that are 501c4, is is really getting out and dispelling what I would call misinformation about what this resolution and what this constitutional amendment will do and what it will not do. Because if you listen to the proponents of abortion, who want to expand, expand, expand access to abortion and reduce, 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 you know, safety for women they will tell you it's just maintaining the status quo. It's simply giving constitutional protection to current state law. And that that is explicitly, fundamentally, and obviously not true if you just read the text of the resolution.
1: Right. Well, truth and honesty has never been the, the hallmark of Planned Parenthood and the abortion mills. Uh, they're the, they're the, uh, the daughter of the great deceiver. So I, I, um, I see this as a, as, as a real unfortunate situation uh, uh, facing the people of Nevada. Now you know the people in Nevada I like to think there's there's a lot of people there they voted for you know who voted for a conservative christian governor it seems like there'd be a good chance that if they got the information out that they wouldn't approve this what do you think I
2: think that is true I think people need to understand that it's not again simply maintaining the status quo it is reducing accountability for abortionists who are actually performing these procedures which are surgical which are invasive and it, it is expanding the time frame in which a woman can have an abortion without any, um, you know, without any limits. All a, all a healthcare provider has to do is say that, in their, in their opinion, in their individual discretion, an abortion is necessary to protect the mental health of the woman, and that's enough.
0: Did you know that PJI preserves students' rights to share their faith and protects them from indoctrination? We also provide free resources to help promote evangelism within the public schools and educational resources to give parents legal advice for choosing an alternative to public education. Keep current on the educational landscape by signing up for our Legal Insider email newsletter at pji.org. Now, back to the Dakis Report.
1: So, if you have a a woman who's nine months pregnant, and let's say she's on medication, bipolar uh, dysfunction, you know, medication. There's for some reason. Let's say though she runs, she runs out of medication. She suddenly comes into an emotional ta- tailspin, uh, and she just says, "I've had it with, with this. I'm going to be a terrible mother." And she just drives down to Planned Parenthood and says, "Okay, give me a give me an abortion." You know, the abortion. There's nothing requiring her to. Uh, to have an examination, a psychological examination, or uh, you know, t- two, two days, or 48 hours, 72 hours, 24 hours of, to think about it. I mean, she could be traumatized and, and, and kill her baby. And there's really no protections for women uh, from these kind of situations and, and scenarios. Um, I mean, that's, that seems to be what I, I'm perceiving here. Uh, uh,
2: that, that's it's, that's correct, and it's actually in some cases even worse than that. I'll give two two examples. Um, first, there 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 actually isn't a requirement even for a physician to be the one who makes this determination. The resolution uses the phrase provider of health provider of health care, and if that's not defined in the resolution, so you look to the state law. And the state law defines a provider of healthcare to be so broad. I kid you not; it includes musical therapists. And so this this resolution is so badly drafted. In theory, it would allow a musical therapist to say that you are mentally um, you would be so mentally affected by your pregnancy that you must have a an abortion at nine months. Obviously, that's absurd. I give this absurd example to show how absurd this resolution is. Yeah, so ba- that's,
1: yeah. Basically, yeah. Basically, the abortion mill industry wants to make this. Just super easy, so they can kill as many precious preborn babies as they can. Um, it's they, you know they're, they're demonic, they're evil, and I hope the voters of Nevada uh, not only see the ridiculousness and the evilness of this legislation or this this uh, resolution, uh, but also that they will see the evil uh, nature of it and and the evil nature of those behind it, which is. Uh, the abortion uh, mill industry and abortion lobby. Uh, now, this is dealing with post-viability abortions. It says they can be performed at the discretion of an individual provider. So, I mean, basically, this, this is extremely broad, right? I mean, like you said, this, this could apply to just about anyone or anything, almost.
2: Well, it is extremely broad, and I think that takes us kind of the second real problem with this, and I think you hit, you hit the nail on the head there, which is this is an industry. And another example, here where I am in northern Nevada, we have one provider of surgical abortion. He is a very, very vocal, very pro-abortion, has given interviews in the San Francisco Chronicle about how proud he is to be a pro-abortion, six-foot-ten, Beretta-carrying, Glock-carrying, armed abortionist who has neon signs, I kid you not, highlighter yellow signs, all around his so-called clinic that say things like, Guns don't kill people, pro-lifers kill people. Actual signs posted all around his clinic that says that. Now that's the individual that we are saying should have unfettered discretion to determine whether or not an abortion is appropriate in nine months. He has literal neon signs up telling you what the answer is going to be. And because this is, as you point out, Brad, an industry, he is a cash only only operation and he will charge up to $4,000 for that procedure. So he has a literal cash incentive to approve this. And he has, you know, stated in writing and in interviews exactly what his position is going to be every time.
1: Wow. Wow. So it's, it's in our face. We see it. It's blatant. It's obvious. You know, I, I, I just hope that uh, we're going to be successful in others in terms of uh, letting people be aware of this. Hopefully the pastors and, and ministers there in, uh, in Nevada uh, will, will be involved and be a part of the, the communicating of the of uh, the message that uh, needs to be communicated regarding this uh, resolution. Now, you said the bill has, has uses key terms to define when abortion is allowed. One was fetal viability and mental health. So what's what exactly is the definition of fetal viability?
2: That's another key point, and it's I, I think it's important for people to be aware when you're talking about a resolution or a bill that uses the phrase viability. You really want to key in on what the actual definition is because... In our case here in Nevada the definition of viability is not the medically standard one. Okay, it uses the term significant. You have to have a significant chance of likelihood of survival without the application of extraordinary measures. Now, normally the medically accepted standard is to say you have a reasonable chance of likelihood whether or not you need to have you know additional measures taken. And so even even the level of what is or is not viability is being massaged and being expanded again so that you have completely unfettered no checks whatsoever access to abortion and on the basis that well this child isn't really viable because it's not significantly likely that it would be able to survive on its own outside the womb without any extraordinary measure Uh, most people would not say that 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 is a reasonable definition of viable viable means able to survive with a reasonable likelihood of survival with with or without assistance. That that is the, the standard medical definition. And fortunately, we have had uh, medical experts step up and point this out to the legislature.
1: So this arguably could open the door to post uh, post birth infanticide, where you're actually killing them after they're born, potentially.
2: That- that is one of the concerns that has been voiced by experts testifying before the legislature providing written testimony. That, that is a written concern, yes.
1: Yeah. Well, Emily, I, I appreciate what you're doing. This is a state-by-state state battle without question. And it's one reason why I'm glad that we at Pacific Justice Institute have 29 offices in 23 states, more than any other organization of our kind, out there, coast-to-coast, uh, coast, uh, able and willing to do what you're doing. Uh, which is to deal with this not just at a Supreme Court level, a federal level, but also to deal with this at a state level. Um, I appreciate what you 're doing and you being a very important part of our ground game and for the people of Nevada and who will be so drastically impacted one way or the other so Thank you for what you're doing, and uh, I'll look forward to next time we have you on for our next update. Keep up the great work, Emily.
0: At PJI, we exist to serve everyone in need of counsel, representation, and defense of their religious liberties, parental rights, and the sanctity of life. We don't take cases based on how high-profile they are. We are workhorses, not showhorses. Keep current on PJI's work on all the legal challenges we face on a daily basis by signing up for our Legal Insider email newsletter at pji.org. Now, back to the Dacus Report.
1: Uh, welcome back. I'd now like to welcome to the program PJI attorney Tracy Tribbett, who heads up one of our offices there in Washington State. Uh, Thank you for joining us, Tracy.
3: Thank you for having me, Brad.
1: Yeah, it's great to have you on the program. Hey, um, you're so busy with so much going on there, and I I just want to first just thank you so much for what you're doing um, there in Washington State. Uh, It looks like Washington has been a state that's been very hostile, uh, notorious for firing people for not getting the controversial uh, COVID-19 uh, vaccination, one of the vaccines for COVID. And uh, this has been very problematic, particularly f- for people of faith who have strong convictions. They prayed about it. They, they sought counsel on it. They, they really feel convicted that God doesn't want them to put this in their bodies, and they haven't. And we now know, medically speaking, based on the studies, as that was actually you know, a good decision. But the time they made it, it was because of sincere religious convictions. And in Washington State, uh, there's a lot of these people that have been fired because of these, their com- convictions, because they didn't get the jab. Um, how is P- Pacific Justice Institute, PJI, uh, going to bat and helping these people?
3: Yes, Brad, you're correct. We have uh, filed suit on behalf of over approximately 100 individuals, whether individually, in groups or by class, uh, for people who were fired in the state of Washington. And just to kind of give some context there, there are over 1,900 Washington state employees who were fired for their faith almost all of those individuals were Christians. Essentially, what this mandate did was affect exclusively Christians and bring them out of the workforce for the state, For healthcare and for a variety of other professions. And we have strategically chosen a variety of cases to help represent uh, sort of across the board individuals who have been discriminated against. One of those, and one of the more interesting cases, is an arborist who is a person that works on trees outdoors 90% of the time, who worked for the city of Seattle. He was terminated because they could not accommodate him.
1: Okay. Um, That's an interesting case. Yeah, I, I, sort of, I sort of see arborists, I mean, trees outside, I, I still see that as a high risk area of, of catching a virus. I mean, so I think that's an interesting case. Who else are we helping, Tracy?
3: Yes, we've also filed suit on behalf of two separate groups of firefighters, as we've talked about. Um, one set of firefighters, approximately nine individuals, were placed on unpaid leave for around seven months and then they were brought back to work. And so the reasons that they were given uh, for their termination or for being placed on unpaid leave never seemed to change, Brad. It was always an undue burden, allegedly. And that position never changed from the employer. They just determined after seven months that in spite of these hardships, they could now in May of 2022 accommodate all of their firefighters after having terminated them or put them on unpaid leave in October of 2021. So we're filing suit for them, which will hopefully help to establish that unpaid leave is not a reasonable accommodation.
1: No, it's it's definitely not a reasonable accommodation. <laughs> so I, I think that's that's a a great case. Uh, what about what about the other group of firefighters?
3: Yeah, we also have a group of approximately five to seven firefighters for, who worked for the city of Redmond. And those individuals were originally accommodated. So they had an accommodation of masking and testing that was signed by the HR director for the city of Redmond. It was put into place. And then less than a week later, the mayor revoked those accommodations and then put into place an order which specifically targeted the firefighters for the city of Redmond because they were the only ones who had been accommodated, revoked their accommodation, and then determined that they could not be accommodated. And there's a lot of other facts backing uh, in the background of this case. But ultimately, these individuals came back and were, were ready to work in a couple of positions that the union had set out for them. And the chief told them that there was no work available because they had given it to the vaccinated. And then they were fired because they were deemed to be physically unfit because they were not vaccinated. An absolute retaliation after having invoked their rights.
1: Physically unfit because they weren't vaccinated with a vaccine that doesn't prevent transmission. In Correct. fact, and we know those who are, who are vaccinated, they're the ones in the hospitals now. Who, you know, they're the ones who are having the serious complications. That's not even disputable. I mean, it's, it's, it's overwhelmingly fact you know, and, and proven. So the ones who are unfit physically, if you want to call someone unfit, I wouldn't do this to someone who was vaccinated as a firefighter. But they're the ones who are actually more at risk of having complications, more at risk of, of having issues, medical issues, uh, of, of suddenly dropping dead. Uh, so this makes no sense Whatso- what's, uh, whatsoever. You know, I, I'm just going to ask you, Tr- Tracy, do you think that the evidence, the scientific evidence that we at Pacific Justice Institute have, have been uh, you know, monitoring and gathering, is that, uh, do you think that's going to be helpful in this litigation uh, moving, moving ahead, moving forward? Do you think judges are more and more likely to really look at the facts and not just, uh, you know, bow the knee to the uh, Provax cult, if you will? They're
3: required by oath to do so, Brad. And what can be said of the decisions made as of October or even September when uh, individuals were considering or employers were considering whether or not to vaccinate, that's one time frame. But what we know after the fact and what we've proven in Washington state and and many other states is that the rates of infection actually spiked amongst the vaccinated. And most employers knew this immediately, if not very soon after um, they had fired or terminated these unvaccinated. And in fact, what most employers did was reinstitute the very accommodation which they had told the unvaccinated was an undue burden. So we have, in essence, the city of Redmond stated that they would have to start masking and testing their vaccinated workforce in order to stop the spread because there was such a high rate of spread amongst the city of Redmond, both employees, public, and the firefighters, and they reinstituted the exact accommodation that was an undue burden. And not only the science, but the the actual case in point for the city of Redmond reflects this. So absolutely, the science is facts, and if you have to follow the facts for... For one set of group, you have to for both sets.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I, You just look at the science. Look at the facts. Look at look at the data. That's all I'm asking. That's all I'm asking. Yes. Um, exactly. You know, it just makes absolutely no sense. They should have been reasonably accommodated. These are competent, qualified firefighters. They should be able to do their job. And there's a shortage of firefighters, right?
3: Absolutely. If you look at the cost to almost every single um, department that we are working with it was tenfold from what it would have been to simply accommodate with masks or with testing and that was part of the de minimis cost claim by these employers is that it would cost too much to accommodate. Well, after they terminated, you know, upwards of anywhere from five to nine firefighters, they had to pay so much in overtime. It exceeded the budget for each department and or city tenfold. And so the cost was exorbitant to the taxpayers.
1: Yeah, that's why I use the term uh, vaccine cult, because mm-hmm. a cultic it's like, you know, don't use logic, reason, just do what they say, follow the, you know, the the master, you know, do not think, Drink do not the use Kool-Aid. your brain. Yeah, it's, it's 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 a vaccine cult, and it's and it's just uh, it's a shame because the taxpayers, the people at community are going to pay the price for that kind of vaccine mm-hmm. cultism. Um, it's, it really. Yeah, it
3: shocks the conscience that even in spite of all the information and science we have now, that no one will sort of pedal backwards and say, OK, we were wrong. This is not, in fact, uh, a vaccine which stops the spread or stems the spread. There's absolute unrepentance in every regard.
1: Right. And I like that word, unrepentance. Well well said. Well said. Uh, so we as Christians need to take our faith seriously now more than ever. Uh, as far as taking our faith seriously, I know you're not only in the courts, but you're also... Uh, along with other PJI attorneys, uh, speaking to groups, uh, and uh, whether church groups or political groups, uh, tell us about that briefly. Um, in just a, a few seconds, what uh, what have you been doing?
3: Yeah, absolutely. It's important for everyone to know that we at PJI, yeah. our attorneys all over the country are available to come and speak to to if individual groups um, of any age and of any background about the rights that face Christians, how to speak out, um, what is available to you in your local areas as far as um, getting organized and to speak out again, whether whether it's right. a law, whether it's a job, whatever it is, we right. can speak to it love to come before any groups out there and help. thank
1: you so much thank you so much for that i i encourage people out there i've got it we got to go but i encourage people to contact pji if you would like to have someone like
0: tracy speaking at your church thank you again tracy
1: thank
3: Uh, you brad
0: we would love the opportunity to continue to serve you just visit pji.org and click the legal insider button to sign up for our email newsletter At PJI, we help individual employees, employers, business owners, pastors, students, citizens of every stripe through our practical resources, counsel, representation, and defense, all free of charge at pji.org. PJI is an island of stability and assurance in our ever-churning sea of legal and societal chaos. We are here for you.
1: So folks, just remember, It's our God-given freedoms we're talking about. Now, let's choose to keep them. I'm Brad Dacus, President of the Pacific Justice Institute. Let's continue the fight for your freedoms.